All right. Welcome to Just Your Average Fans podcast, co-hosted by me, Blaze, Julio, and Andrew. Welcome to the pod, guys. Hi, well, this has been a, a long time coming, but we struggled a little bit deciding when was the best opportunity to begin this this podcast journey. But I think yesterday was a big night for college football, and we decided that it was the perfect opportunity to begin by speaking on those rankings, which surprised many people. I would like to get y'all's opinions on what y'all thought about the rankings, what was the biggest surprise, what stood out the most, and... I know a lot of y'all are going to have lots to say about that Alabama ranking. Andrew, you you start this one. I know you got a tangent to go on. <laughs> so the thing with Alabama is I'm not just looking at Alabama. I'm looking at a team that not a lot of people are talking about, which is Mississippi State down at 17. Now, Mississippi State is only one of two teams that have three losses in these in these rankings. The, the other team was Wisconsin, sitting at 5-3, and three, ranked 21. And Mississippi State reminds me a lot about a lot of Fresno State, but not Fresno State this year, who's ranked 23rd. Fresno State in 2017. When Alabama lost in 2017 to Auburn and didn't meet the SEC championship, their resume wasn't going to be enough to make the college football playoff if Ohio State beat Wisconsin in the Big Ten Championship that year, which, for the record, we did. So they needed to make Alabama look more impressive. So what they essentially did is ranked Fresno State number 25 for no reason, just to add another little data point to make Alabama have as many ranked wins as Ohio State did that year to justify Alabama being above Ohio State, even though everything else about Ohio State's resume had more impressive strong points. So Mississippi State is essentially the same thing this year because Alabama had only beaten one ranked team up to this point, that being Ole Miss. But now that Mississippi State is ranked, that's a second ranked win for Alabama, which gets them, which allows the committee essentially to make you think, okay, yeah, Alabama could be number two. But this is what my problem with it is. Mississippi State has three ranked wins. Where is Penn State? Now, Penn State only has two ranked wins, but they have the exact same record as Mississippi State at 5-3. and three. They have a head-to-head win against a ranked Wisconsin and also against Auburn, who is a better win than any team that Mississippi State has beaten. And the committee has said in the past that they excuse injuries, and we all know that Penn State has been dealing with a quarterback injury. Sean Clifford got hurt during the Iowa game, and if he hadn't gotten hurt during that game, Penn State was going to run away with it and kill Iowa in their own stadium. And then, of course, after that, they lost in a weird nine-overtime game to Illinois. But Clifford was still 
hurt in that game. And you could easily see that if you watch that game. So that's essentially my problem is that Mississippi State is ranked, but Penn State isn't. And what that allows you to do is give Alabama two ranked wins and Ohio State only one. So it allows you to put Alabama at the top, not just above Ohio State, but above Michigan State, a team that, quite frankly, should be number two. They're undefeated. They have a true Heisman contender in Kenneth Walker, and they just are, they're fresh off a top 10 win against Michigan. So that's my take on it. Alabama is getting help from lower in the rankings. So don't, so don't just write off what you see low in the rankings because it truly does matter. Well, let's be honest. Alabama shouldn't be too. <laughs> we don't even need to talk about Mississippi State. They lost to Texas, unranked Texas A&M at that time. And who have they beaten? People say who has Ohio State beaten, but who has Alabama beaten? I don't know who they've beaten. And then if you look at it, what was even surprising was Oklahoma at eight. You had an undefeated Oklahoma team, which you could say they haven't beaten anyone either. But they're un- unbeaten. And then you put an unbeaten Cincinnati that everyone going into this year was like, if they beat Notre Dame, they're in. If they beat Notre Dame, they're in the playoffs. Well, they beat Notre Dame, they're undefeated, and they're six. What this whole ranking system showed was that it's not about the best four teams. Or maybe it is slightly. It's more about the best four brands. They they don't really care about the play on the field. They're looking at the best. Who are the best teams with the best brands? Okay, cool. Top four. Then let's just fudge everything down from there. Up from six down to make these rankings and to make the resume of the people in the top four to five, because you could arguably say high state shouldn't be fed either, but who I don't care <laughs> into the, um, the, the placements that they are. In. So what well, my initial reaction when I first saw it was like, dang, we're fifth. But then I looked at it and I was like, dang, we're fifth because I'm like, that's good for us because we, I mean, Michigan's seven. <laughs> who they beat? Like, come on. Who does Michigan beat? What they're doing is they're like, hey, we think Ohio State's a good team, but we can't put them at four. And because of the head-to-head with Oregon, we can't put them at four. So let's give them a Michigan game that we think they're going to win. And then they're going to play Michigan State. We think Michigan State's good. If Ohio State beats Michigan State, they're in. This is this is not equal in any sense of the world, but I'm a high state fan, so I can't complain. To my UC fans, go bugs. <laughs> I think we're starting to see the the biggest issue for years, it's been there, but I think this rankings explicitly show it. There's no consistency in what they're doing. Alabama at second is ridiculous. They have perhaps the worst loss in college football. It's up there with Oregon against Stanford. Huge upset. An unranked Texas A&M beats 
Alabama, and then you're going to put them at number two, which I agree with you, Andrew. I personally thought Michigan State deserved the number two spot. Well, Alabama, if we're being honest, they probably should be around the six, seven, right there with Ohio State. I think Oklahoma should be a little higher. They haven't looked impressive at all in any of their games, but they are undefeated. And if we're valuing winning, then you have to respect that. But and then Michigan at seven is ludicrous. Right off, of, they haven't beaten anyone to start off. They face their biggest competition. They're up. <laughs> They're up by more than two touchdowns in the second half, and then you lose, and you're seven. What are we doing? What are we doing? Let's just let's just let the biggest brand play in the playoffs. Let's ignore every other game. So this is what I'm seeing from the committee when I looked at the rankings. In the bottom half, because you have teams that have multiple losses, you're looking at more of, okay, we know, we know, we know they've lost. But what are some of the stronger points about these teams? And they have a lot of, do, do they have a lot of ranked wins? So in the bottom half of the rankings, they're really taking ranked wins into account. But then you get to the top 10, and that completely changes. Because then what it turns into is the eye test. Some people love it. Some people hate it. Even though it's benefiting Ohio State a bit this year, I am personally against the eye test because it is completely opinion-based. But anyway, you see Notre Dame at number 10. They've, they've had some decent wins, but nothing too eye-popping. And then we've, we've talked about it a bit. Why is Michigan at 7 ahead of an undefeated Oklahoma and Wake Forest. And I simply think that the committee is telling us we like the relative dominance that we've seen from Michigan so far, particularly with their rushing attack, because Michigan does have one of the better rushing attacks in college football. And then on the other, then on the other hand, you see Wake Forest. When they've played bad teams, they've, they've put up a lot of points and a lot of yards, and they've also done that against some, some better teams. But when they play teams with the pulse, the games are very close. They have to go to overtime to beat Syracuse. And then at Oklahoma at number eight, what they're really saying is, Oklahoma, eventually, if you went out, you're going to get in. But we need to see more at this point because Oklahoma has struggled heavily in virtually all these games. And really, if you want to point to one thing, you have to point to the Kansas game. You're down 10 to nothing at halftime against Kansas, a team that has a grand total of one win on the season. And that's why I think Michigan is number seven above of two undefeated teams. That's a good point. Um, I think, but winning, I mean, the I-10 is so subjective that the most equal merit-based way to judge it is the games played on the field. That's why I'm not mad at Oregon at four. They probably should. I think we're a better team, but they beat us, so they should be ahead. But Alabama, they have a worse loss than we do. And right now, after the Kerry Combs uh, – Switch to Matt Barnes coordinating defensive coordinating play calling. 
We're behind Georgia in our past defense. So I'm not even sure that Alabama is even a better team than us at this point of the season. And just looking at it, it just it just speaks to why we need to increase the college football playoffs. People are saying eight, eight's too little. I think there's someone's gonna get screwed. You gotta increase it. I mean, I have sort of an outlandish take. I'm thinking at least twelve, maybe twenty-four. <laughs> and, and twenty-four. We're twenty-four. Tell, yes. Tell tell me about that, please. Enlighten me on what. Okay, I haven't I haven't come across the format yet. Okay, but in every in every sport except for college football, we have at least at least a actually sorry sixteen. I didn't mean twenty-four. We have at least a sixteen-team playoff. At least a sixteen-team playoff. So I think in order to maximize people's opportunity to at least play for something, you need, I think, the perfect number is 16. You see it in NFL, 16. Then NBA has 24. Uh, NFL, no, sorry, NHL has uh, somewhere in the 20s. And, of course, college football, basketball has 64. But that's my personal opinion. Uh, you need to increase the teams, and you need to make the meaning of a season value more. Because making it four teams, people only care about the college football playoffs now. No one cares about the bowl games anymore. And you need to increase the, the validity and the success metric that teams can use to judge uh, season performances. Okay, so here's why I disagree with you about expansion. Because you did, you although you did bring up a point that I do like, you brought up two points. One, games have to matter, like head to head have to matter. And two, to go along with that, you shouldn't be able to lose and just get away with it. And I think that's what really would hurt college football with an expanded playoff. To, to fans of teams that aren't Oregon and Ohio State, the early season game in Columbus was great. You saw two teams going back and forth. It was a pretty competitive game. In your 16 or 24 team playoff system right now, who cares about that game? Both teams are firmly in the playoff hunt. Why even do that game? It loses, it loses all of its luster. And that's what makes college football unique is that every game matters and we need to keep that mentality. So what do you recommend? Uh, I could definitely see an expansion being helpful because four, there's too many discrepancies between what are they doing? Because if we're basing it off an eye test, has Alabama really been more impressive than Ohio State? I know we go to Ohio State, but if we're being honest, has Alabama really been more impressive than Ohio State this season? No. So, and then if we oh, go ahead, Andrew. Um, no, I was I was just gonna say no. It's we we do have to give Alabama credit because they have been a solid team. But the point we're trying to make is 
they're not deserving of the number two slot. I say they should slot in probably directly behind us at number six. I think that's a more fair ranking for Alabama right now. Where do you put UC? So Cincinnati intrigues me. I would actually be okay putting them at number four for now. Now, if favorites were to win out, I think Cincinnati would and should be left out. But at this point, I feel like Cincinnati being in the top four isn't weird because besides, obviously, Georgia at number one, and a lot of us here think Michigan State should probably be more of a consensus number two. After that, there's a lot of... No, no team is perfect. Like Ohio State, we had that bad loss to Oregon. Alabama had that bad loss to A&M. Oklahoma and Wake Forest are undefeated, but they have not looked impressive in doing so. Cincinnati plays against an even worse schedule than Wake Forest has right now. They have that big one against Notre Dame, but like um, the chairman of the committee said last night, what else have they done? So that's why I'd be okay putting Cincinnati a bit higher. And then it, it's sad for, for UC fans because if they don't get in this year, when would they get in if there's no expansion? Their schedule is very weak, like you mentioned, Andrew. I think they were riding all the momentum of last year where a lot of people thought they should have gotten in last year. They were competitive against Georgia in their bowl game. They've carried the momentum. I think they had a solid chance. I agree we could have put them in the top four this year because, like you mentioned, Alabama has no business being number two. They probably have no business being in the top four. I think one of those spots should have been to Cincinnati for now. If they continue to look unimpressive in their weak schedule, then we we take them out at the end of the season. But for now, I would have I would have been happier if they had them at number four, give them at least a chance to compete. And that's what a lot of the inferior teams have been asking for, just a chance to compete. And that's why I agree with Blaze that an expansion should happen, maybe not 16, because that would that would be pushing it a little too much. And then we're already having trouble distinguishing between the top four. Imagine between from really from 12 to 16, 12 through 18, how are we going to distinguish between that? We're going to have three lost teams getting in, and it's going to create more, more tension, really more discrepancy. I would be fine with an expansion of six to eight teams. Maybe with six teams, we give the first two teams a buy. There, or 18 would be the max I would be considering of an expansion. But, it, okay. I don't see a problem with 16 from the 12 to like 16 argument because who cares? Like March Madness, who cares about the 69th team? Nobody cares about the 69th team. The 69th team cares. And, that, and that's okay, the point. You're, you're, we, you're always going to have no those teams that want to be left out, that don't want to be no left out. There's no controversy. But there's no controversy, whereas people, there's a lot of controversy between from the 5th to the 7th, maybe 8th. Okay. Why would, there be, why would there be no controversy between the 16th and 17th ranked teams? 
there won't be any controversy. I'm not saying there won't be any controversy. I'm saying that the magnitude of controversy of people caring would just diminish. Right? I mean, there's a huge difference between... Go ahead. I mean, most likely, but still, that's... What we're doing there, again, is we're just... We're favoring the big brands if when you're when you're saying that and we can't continue to do that but again with for what you're saying teams. with nobody cares the 17 team got left out as opposed to people caring when the 15 gets ranked out gets left out that's what i'm saying with favoring big brands but i think the more important part of that if you go if you go 16 team i mean you get you get uh, central florida university of central florida right in there I think I think so. Like they're not a big brand. I think my I think my better point is that between the 16th and 17th teams, that's when you're really going to use the eye test. And again, the eye test is completely opinion based. It should not be favored over other components, even though a lot of times it is in college football. So. You couple that, and then you couple the fact that big games all of a sudden lose 90% of their value. That's why I think if you want to expand, you shouldn't, you shouldn't try to go too big because that could really hurt what makes college football special. Okay. Okay. The sweet spot was probably 12, but I would say that 16 just for the sake of already keeping that 16 i don't think 16 diminishes an osu or michigan rivalry i just i don't think so i don't think a 16 team diminishes an oklahoma or texas rivalry i don't think so and to your point of um that's uh what was it three losses i think you might get a three loss team in there if we're seeing a realignment sec then that SEC, like a team like Auburn, it may have three losses, but it may be a good team. You know what I'm saying? So the sweet spot is probably 12 teams. Uh, I think six to eight, you're going to get the same thing. I think 12 teams, you got the power five champs, you're six at large, and you put in some buys for the, for the top two seeds. <coughs> in there um but that's that's what i think oh yeah with the with the sec bias we see we might see a all sec playoffs honestly <laughs> honestly i i don't know 16 is 16 is pushing it a bit much but i think about 12 it's still it's still iffy because, like Andrew was mentioning, that Oregon-Ohio State was such a big game because, realistically, that that loss for Ohio State could have ended their season that early into their season before it really even got going. And if, if we do 12, then Ohio State is getting in. Oregon's getting in automatically unless they completely face out. So th- that game really won't matter as much. Like, okay, I lost to Oregon at home. My defense couldn't stop anything. The rushing completely destroyed us. They were going left the whole time, but I guess we were the only ones that could see that. But 
Does that but loss really matter if we do 12? I mean, you get a bye if you don't lose, probably, between Oregon and OSU. <laughs> so that matters. I mean, because well, if you're in a Pac-12, you haven't been in the last, what, two, maybe three playoffs, right? Oh, yeah, they're terrible. So, okay, so you haven't been there in the last two to three playoffs. And you may it's been, even not it's even been be four. there. It's been four, okay. Four, that's a lot. Holy crap, that's even more. Last one. <laughs> that's <Oregon>. even worse. <laughs> and now, if you get to, let's say, we went to eight, right? You get one, maybe. One team. Oregon. Right, and I'm fine with that. Amount of, you all know the revenue that comes. <laughs> I know you are. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only team that deserves to get in. Fair, fair enough. Fair enough. And and even then, we're pushing it. They they're lucky to have that. They have that tiebreaker, or else they wouldn't even be in the conversation. <laughs> I think twelve is a sweet spot. Um, next podcast, we can talk more about the formalities, how that will work. But, uh, um, yeah, that's all I have to say about that. Andrew, do you have any lasting points on the the playoff scheme as it, as it stands right now? Or Blaze's idea of expanding to 12? I just want to say one more quick thing, and then we can move on from this for now. And that's, right now, we're going to overreact to this. Because these are the first ranked games. You look at the top nine right now, all with very realistic chances of making the playoffs. But a lot of those teams are going to play each other. So some of it is going to work itself out. It will, it will look a bit clearer as we get down to the end of the season. Upsets will happen. Teams will separate themselves. So I think that's something we need, we need to keep in mind when we're talking about playoff expansion. Is These are the first rankings. There's still a third of, there's still a quarter of the season left to play. Okay, so I think it's time for us to move on to the second most exciting thing in college football besides the playoffs, the Heisman watch. And oh boy, has it been a race up to now. Earlier in the, the season, before the season started, the projections, if you take a look at them, they look very different now. I think early on there was Sam Howell. JT Daniels, Spencer Rattler, who's benched now, DJ, who cannot hit a, a standing cone, <laughs> and, and Bryce Young, who realistically is the only person still in the race. So now I would like to get y'all guys' opinions on y'all's favorites for for the Heisman watch. Any, any shout-outs y'all want to give? I know Blaze specifically wants to shout-out CJ Stroud, who went from highly, highly disrespected quarterback his first few games too. Now potentially having very, very high odds at winning the Heisman. So I'd like to start with Blaze and yeah. your opinion. Yeah, first we gotta we gotta shout out CJ Stroud, my boy, uh for turning the haters into believers. Uh into the haters. I gotta say keep that same energy. I was here in the stadium but my friends, Quinton, Quinton <coughs> I was hearing booze. I was hearing everything. Now y'all when y'all saw Kyle Court, oh you're like, oh, CJ's that dude. And now 
Now you're like, ah, we like CJ. We like CJ. Nah, the train has already left. And I'm the conductor. And we're going to the Heisman Trophy because I think he's a dark horse candidate. So, so going off of that, the thing that is really going to help Stroud is what he has left in front of him. Obviously, the next two weeks aren't, aren't that exciting on the national picture, although our game against Purdue should not be should not be overlooked. But he has a game against a currently undefeated Michigan State, the, the rivalry, the game, and then potentially a top 25 battle in the Big Ten Championship, which should be against, theoretically, whoever wins that Big Ten West race, a very good defense. So I think he has a lot of a lot of opportunities to show to show the college football world what he can do. But obviously all the Heisman talk after this week is gonna be about Kenneth Walker. He had 197 rushing yards, five touchdowns against Michigan. It was just a ridiculous performance. And when you look at it, it wasn't just small runs. He got a million carries. He was breaking off long touchdown runs at key points in the game when Michigan State needed a spark. And I think he has a real chance to win as a running back because, like Julio mentioned, all the pro- basically all the preseason favorites are out. And even with players that have performed well this year, there haven't been that much separation for any of them. So I think that's what gives Kenneth Walker a real shot to win the Heisman. Yeah, Kenneth Walker had a Heisman moment against Michigan. Um, I think, you know, CJ had a, could have been had a Heisman moment if he beat Oregon. I mean, he threw for, I believe, a little over 500 yards, right? Five TDs and one he, interception. He, he, he threw for just under 500 yards against Just Oregon. under, okay. Okay. And then five TDs and one interception. So that could have been a Heisman moment for him if we would have won that game, but unfortunately it didn't work out. Uh, but I think, as you said, with the schedule playing out, who we have left to face and the magnitude of those games, I think he has a strong case. And honestly, it'll probably come down to the Michigan State game between uh, if Kenneth Walker lays an egg and then C.J. Stroud goes out and balls. I mean, you're looking at that and you say, scratch your head, you might have to give it to him. But, you know, we also have another Heisman candidate, Trayvon Henderson, on our team. But I'm not sure people are looking at him right now because of Kenneth Walker the third. Uh, but we'll see how it plays out. But uh, I got to rep my boy because of all the disrespect I took. And uh, I think I think uh, we can make it. Yeah, there was definitely a lot of boost in that Oregon game. A lot of disrespect thrown to CJ, but like you mentioned, just a little under 500. If he pulls that game out of the bag, if, if he hits Chris Olave or Gary Wilson in those those key moments of the game, we, we win that game. We're probably ranked number two, and CJ could very well be the favorite because, like Andrew mentioned, nobody has really set themselves apart in the pack for the Heisman, and that, that's going to be a huge game. A battle of Heisman favorites, C.J. Stroud and Kenneth Walker. And I think the only other person that could perhaps take the award would be Bryce Young from Alabama. We know there's a bias towards Alabama. And um, Bryce Young has looked relatively impressive. 
but he does have Bill O'Brien as the offensive coordinator, so he has to work with that. You know, <laughs> his his red zone offense is not the best we saw it in that A and M game. Well, I think it's gonna come down to one of those three candidates who wins it. Travion, sadly, he's had a fantastic season. I think he's perhaps early in the season he was the the main reason we were winning games, the main reason we were staying in games. He's been absolutely fantastic for Ohio State this year, but I don't see him winning the Heisman. I would agree with you there with regard to Henderson, simply because when he has played, he's 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 wrapped up TDs all all the time, but he's gotten so few touches because we had blowouts in all of those games. So that's why Travion's not going to get any Heisman love because he simply doesn't have the stats that Kenneth Walker does. He has the touchdowns Walker has, but he doesn't have the carries, the yards. And right now he doesn't have the big time moment like Walker had against Michigan. And I really think the big time moments is what this is what the Heisman Trophy is going to boil down to this year. Because the top four, if you ask anyone right now, is Walker, Stroud, Bryce Young from Alabama, and Matt Corral from Ole Miss. I personally see Corral as going to drop out of it soon, simply because his team isn't going to be in the playoff conversation anymore. He he stays in it because he's really the biggest dual threat quarterback in college football right now, and college football loves his dual threat quarterbacks. But he's not going to have the opportunity to play in bigger games like Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, and Kenneth Walker are. So I think that's really what hurts Crowell's chances and gives the other three an opportunity to make a statement. And like you alluded to, Ohio State versus Michigan State is going to be a most likely a playoff elimination game. It could also very well be a Heisman elimination game between Stroud and Walker, depending on if one of them truly outperforms the Yeah, we definitely, CJ definitely has the hardest part of his schedule coming up. And I think we've seen a lot of teams there. They're forcing him to be the one that beats them. They're attempting to shut down Ohio State's impressive rushing game. And they're going to make CJ, they're going to make CJ win the game. And he's going to have to make those key throws and key moments. And that could actually end up helping his Heisman case. And he could very well walk out with it. It would be a massive turn of events from how the season started. Yeah, before I move on, I just want to shout out uh, the Georgia defense. Uh, what's his name? Is it Davis? Something Davis. Uh, Jordan Davis. Jordan Davis. Yes. Uh, that Georgia defense is bad. Uh, they have a lot of good players on the team. Uh, that's like 19, I believe, five stars on that team. And a lot on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, I was reading somewhere where all 11 could get drafted. Uh, I wouldn't be uh, adverse. I'm personally not adverse to giving the Heisman to a defensive player. Georgia's defense is probably, it's, I mean, it's always been their bread and butter. But this year, it's uh, definitely good. And uh, I will watch out for someone on that defense possibly sneaking in there. 
Yeah, their their defense has been absolutely insane this year. Well, I'd like to see how they match up against Bryce Young, perhaps in the championship game. We'll see uh, how they do, if they can hold their own. Some, something I want to mention about the Georgia defense is they've they've obviously been playing very well in historic pace. And they do deserve a shout-out. But I don't think it needs to be in the Heisman Trophy conversation. Obviously, you can't give the Heisman Trophy to an entire unit. And we're not saying that literally. We're, we're saying it as a joke. But even giving it to I Jordan said, Davis. I said Jordan Davis. I, yes, I, I know you did. And Jordan Davis is a very good player. He is perhaps the best defensive player in college football right now. But I'm against giving him the Heisman Trophy because he hasn't put up stats that can warrant him winning the trophy. Because that's really a big thing about what the Heisman Trophy is. It's, it's always been about who's lighting up the stat sheets. And that's how Chase Young got into the conversation a couple of years ago. And I think Jordan Davis is a very good player. I've watched some Georgia football this year, and that entire defensive line is, is just full of menaces. But the individual stats, I don't think, are there to warrant a Heisman invite. But all those other individual defensive awards, Jordan Davis is going to be topping a lot of those lists. Yeah, the game and- running around him. That, and that's what Good you have to do. Playing. That's what you have to do when you're a a defensive player that's trying to make noise for individual awards. Is you have to have teams game plan around you because then it shows that offenses are not doing what they want to do to be comfortable because they have to take you into account. That's what they're doing with Davis. It's what they had to do with Chase Young a couple of years ago. It's what you have to do when you play against elite players, particularly on the defensive line. Yeah, so why doesn't he get a Heisman invite then? Because I just I haven't seen the stats yet. I don't know what his nah, I don't know what his stats a, are. You're an offensive top. elitist. That's what you are. I don't know what his stats are. Off you're the top an of my offensive head. elitist. <laughs> okay, so here's so here's why I don't want to give it to him because as a defensive line, you want to obviously get you want to get penetration you want to get into the backfield and one player can do it but it's also most of the time a collective effort to get in there so yes while jordan davis is getting is getting a lot of penetration into the backfield and helping helping his defense out it's an entire group effort right now that's making georgia's defense as elite as it is but you could say the same thing about Alabama's offense last year. It's an entire group effort. But you saw the stat. It's a let's face it. The Heisman is a quarterback award. You you saw the numbers Devontae Smith had to put up, and you still had people calling for Mac Jones to win it. It's a it's a quarterback award. And this is not going to win it. And it had to be during the COVID year too, when yeah, when other top candidates like Trevor Lawrence. <laughs> And Justin Fields missed time for different reasons. But just one more thing I want to say about the Heisman race. Just because 
obviously we're going to have all this talk about the favorites. I want to give just one dark horse candidate that has an opportunity to potentially make some noise. And that would be Sam Hartman, quarterback for Wake Forest, simply because he has an opportunity to have his team win out, be undefeated, and, and put up stats to get his team into the playoff picture. So that's why I think Sam Hartman could be potentially a dark horse candidate for the Heisman Trophy. Here's a quarterback <laughs> award, please. All right, OSU's outlook, boys. What are we looking at? Okay, so well, I think we've discussed it earlier how Ohio State started off a little bit rough. That loss against Oregon had a lot of people with a bitter taste in their mouth. That Tulsa game was was not not the best game, but I think we've seen a lot of growth from the young Buckeyes. I think their offense was as good as advertised. You have perhaps the two best wide receivers in college football and two smooth Olave and Gary Wilson. You have that deep rushing attack and you have a potential Heisman quarterback. And not only that, but we've seen a lot of growth from their defense since the start of the season. So I'd like to get y'all's opinions on the growth of Ohio State's football team and what the future holds for this team. Andrew, I'll give you the alley-oop. Okay, so... What I want to talk about um, with Ohio State is their defensive line because that was supposed to be the undeniable strength of the team, of, of the defense coming into the year. And then against Minnesota, they only had one sack, but you saw it was a very big one. It was when Harrison stripped the ball from Tanner Morgan and Pascal Garrett took it for a touchdown, but then against the Oregon game, there was absolutely no pressure on Anthony Brown. He had all day in the pocket to throw to his receivers, and it was an issue because that was putting a young secondary at risk, having to play cover one-on-one, which is never good really for any secondary. You don't want to have to be back there all day long. So then, but we've seen some improvement from this defensive line. And we've seen it collectively as a unit. We haven't seen one person pop out. It's been Zach Harrison getting some key strip sacks. It's been uh, JT getting into the backfield. It's been Tyree Smith getting into the backfield. It's been Haskell Garrett collapsing the pocket. It needs to be a group effort by this entire Ohio State defensive line because no one has established themselves as a star. But that's okay because if you play as a unit, you can get pressure on the quarterback, and I think that's going to help out a relatively inexperienced back seven for us in our defense. Yeah, uh, there's not really much to add to that. Uh, talking about the past, we know how we were playing. Um, you know, from the jump, actually, I actually thought that uh, from the jump, we knew that the wide receiver group was going to be solid. Uh, that was my impression of heading to this year. I think there were questions about CJ Stroud's development, but I thought the concerns were minimized because we have an experienced wide receiving group core. Uh, it helps out a young QB. Now, I think uh, CJ moving forward needs to see the field better. I think there were some throws he even missed against the uh, 
against um, Penn State that uh, would have led to some tutties. But uh, looking f- looking forward, I think, like I said before, I think the playoff committee wants Ohio State in. I mean, you put in a Michigan at seven, you put in a Michigan State at three, and you put us at five. I think they think we're the better team. And they're pretty much just saying, hey, you went out, you're in. So I think the outlook is good for us. Uh, and I just think we just need to play better as, as a, a whole team, have a good offensive showing as well as a good defensive showing. Uh, like Ryan Day said, defense won that last game, which is a huge turnaround from uh, the beginning of the season. And now we just need to put on some strong performances. I'm I'm a personal believer that Nebraska is sneaky good. <clears throat> uh, they've lost a combined, I think, eleven points to the top twenty-five team, top ranked, the top, the ranked, the team they've lost to in the top twenty-five lost a combined eleven. Michigan and Michigan State a combined six points, so they're a tough team. They almost beat Oklahoma too. Can't forget that. Uh, but I think the outlook looks good for us, and uh, I just think we just need to perform and. We'll be in a uh, college football playoff, and we'll go to the next. Imagine a first-round matchup, that Georgia defense against that Ohio State off. I want Georgia. Give me Georgia. <laughs> Get your pop. I think another interesting potential playoff matchup would be Ohio State versus Cincinnati. Battle for Ohio would get a lot of people riled up if Cincinnati was able to make it alongside with us. They don't want that. They don't they, want that smoke. I don't I don't think they do either, but they they think they do right now. But that'd be that'd be an intriguing matchup. I'm imagine two Ohio teams in the national stage. I mean with a twelve if, team playoff <laughs> <laughs> everybody gets in. So I agree with Blaze that we do have a very promising outlook in the season. Have starting ranked number five when we already knew we had lost we had lost the head to head against another team that was going to be in the top ten. Starting at number five is very good for us. However, we definitely do not control control our own destiny right now. Because here's Assuming favorites would win out, here are teams that would make it ahead of us at this moment. This is, of course, assuming that Ohio State wins out. Because the second we lose, we should no longer be in the playoff conversation. If Georgia wins out, they're in. And here's another problem. If Alabama wins out, they're in. But then, if they beat an undefeated Georgia, Georgia would most likely still stay in the playoff race. Now, that's two teams. I know Oregon hasn't looked very impressive this year besides beating us, but they have the head-to-head win, and that's all that should matter. So they would get in over us. That's three teams. And then you would think, oh, it's not going to be a problem because the only team currently ahead of us is Michigan State. But you have to remember to go down a couple of places to Oklahoma and Wake Forest, who are two undefeated Power 5 teams still. An undefeated Power 5 team should make it into the playoffs 
10 times out of 10 above a one loss conference champion power five team. Oklahoma State's going to beat Oklahoma. I think Oklahoma has a bunch of challenging games ahead of them. Their, Their last three games of the season are literally going to be their three toughest ones. They say the toughest ones for last. But I think what this means is that we need two of those teams to lose. And once that happens, we control our own destiny. Because the committee already told us we're above Cincinnati right now, and we're going to be a lot more impressive than we're going to have a lot more opportunities to look impressive than Cincinnati is. Well, as you heard, Andrew is the pessimist of this podcast, but I don't I'm know if I need to believe. <laughs> I mean, that was pretty. That was a pretty bleak outlook. Would you say, Julio? We're going to the Natty, baby. That's all that man. <laughs> oh yeah. CJ Stroud is bringing it home. Yes, sir. Well, uh, that's this was this week's of the Just Your Average Fans podcast. Thanks for listening. And uh, tune in for next week. Peace.